Discretionary listener participation is advised for the following pro wrestling podcast. I'll bet by this time many of you have heard all of the Superstar Billy Graham tributes that you need to. But this one's going to stand out. This one is going to stand out, and we're going to tell you why in a minute. You want to hear this episode, but this is Stick to Wrestling. My name is John McAdam. If you give us 60 minutes, perhaps indeed, we'll give you a raw bone and wicked good podcast. Join our Facebook group, follow me on Twitter, and let's get to the show. Steve, thank you for coming on as the guest. <laughs> well, it's great to be here. Unfortunately, it's kind of um, a sad uh, topic today. Uh, uh, Billy Graham, superstar, uh, after Bruno, my probably my favorite, second favorite wrestler of all time. And But it's nice to take the time with you to kind of go over some of the career highlights and the things that we remember so fondly about him. Here's why this one's going to stand out. Number one, Steve and I We don't just research things. We don't just read things. We lived through superstar Billy Graham being the World Wrestling Federation champion from, you know, early 1977, from early 1978. We lived through it. But number two, and maybe even the biggest reason, you know how everyone talks about what a great promo superstar Billy Graham was? And then maybe you go on YouTube and you see a, a WWF show from 1987 or a Crockett <laughs> show from 85. And you're like, eh, no, I've got the good stuff. <laughs> I'm like the drug dealer from Pulp Fiction wearing a bathrobe and eating fruit brute in the middle of the night. I've got the good <laughs> stuff. You're going to hear 13 <laughs> interviews from my personal stash. As a matter of fact, let's hear the first one. I am the greatest champion that the world has ever seen. I am the strongest champion that the world has ever seen. I am the most beautiful champion that the world has ever seen. My Nobody dear. can defeat me. Playing Nobody as ukulele. Can me. I am the world's greatest. I am the world's strongest. I am the world's greatest. Superstar Billy Graham, the man of the hour, the man with the power, is the greatest. The absolute greatest. Look at my body. And Peter Maivia was playing his ukulele very happily in the background while Billy Graham was doing all this, and Graham took the ukulele and smashed it over his head. I've got way more than that one for review purposes only here on Stick to Wrestling. Steve, that was the one Madison Square Garden show where superstar Billy Graham was champion, and it did not sell out. Nothing against Peter Maivia, but he just did not have the star power of a a Dusty Rhodes, a Bruno Sammartino, a Mil Mascaras. Yeah, and that that angle just seemed to come out of nowhere. It was almost like, uh, hey, we've got 10 great challengers for Billy Graham, and uh, somebody dropped out, and, uh, hey, let's put Peter Maiva in there, Maivia. And uh, it, the angle itself was tremendous. So the, the clip that you just played of the angle, uh, and then they had one like a one-and-done match at the Garden, and, and it really um, it drew pretty well. I mean, it only was I think about maybe a thousand fans short of a sellout. So uh, that was the only one that really prevented him from having a sold out every show. You know, that, you make a good point there. Like uh, a thousand short at Madison Square Garden is not exactly a, a night of failure. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vince's father made a lot of money that night. So. But, you know, it is the one that stands out. And even as, you know, how old was I, 11 or 12 when that angle happened? I kind of knew that, okay, they, they need to put a little spice on this angle. I kind of like when uh, Bulldog Brower attacked Bob Backlund out of nowhere. It's like you kind of know, okay, they're, they, they're, they need to do something to drum up interest in this match. Yeah, the, the angle was was very uh, exciting to watch. You know, Billy uh, gave his great pose before he attacked uh, Maivia, and Vince sold it like a million bucks. But when they had these close-ups of Maivia and Strongbow, who was helping him, uh, Maivia, who was supposed to be bleeding, I mean, you could barely see any blood. <laughs> they were just like two middle-aged guys kind of cuddling each <laughs> other, and kind of kind of like the heat just fell right out of it. But uh but yeah, and Peter Maivia was a beloved figure. I mean, uh, when Billy Graham was just breaking into wrestling, maybe about five years prior, six years prior, uh, Maivia was one of those guys who really kind of laid the foundation in San Francisco with Pat Patterson, who, uh, of course, became the booker for WWF, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, they did a uh, feud with superstar Billy Graham and Pat Patterson against uh no, against, do I have this right, against Ray Stevens and Peter Maivia, or am I mixing things up? Uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think it was, uh, Patterson was his first tag team partner and taught Billy a lot of the ropes and, and, uh, they wrestled with my via. And so that's probably where the connection came in and, and they just happened to be in New York together about five or six years later. So it was a kind of a match made in heaven, this particular angle and match. Yeah, I, can, I can totally see that. And yeah, you know, it was, I think it was the only time they really ran an angle when superstar Billy Graham was champion, you know, just put Dusty Rhodes and superstar Billy Graham out there. It sells itself. All right, let's hear some more audio superstar Billy Graham. There's a, a story behind this. Uh, he's selling a poster. Let's hear this. Do is get a pencil and a piece of paper. Why? Because a superstar space poster has arrived, and in just a few seconds, your television announcer is going to give you my address and tell you how to get it. That's right. Superstar Billy Graham is in outer space with all the stars and all the planets, and at last, a poster that is truly original, combining the mystery and excitement of space with the power and force of muscle. And look at my new tag team partner, a saber-toothed tiger. Now you know you can never pin the superstar in the ring, but now you can pin me to your wall and watch your room come alive. Now here's your television announcer to tell you how to get it. I've always had this weird fascination with wrestling merchandise, and I always wanted to know, you know, how well that poster sold. And then I read Superstar Billy Graham's book, and he said that he paid someone five hundred dollars to do the artwork. He purchased uh, commercial time on wrestling shows. He purchased ad uh, ads in wrestling magazines, different kind, different magazines. And Steve, do you know? Can you guess how many posters he sold? I would say uh, maybe 5,000. In his book, Superstar Billy Graham said he sold about 15 or 20 of those posters. <laughs> You're kidding. Now, I read that, and I'm like, how can that be? Who wouldn't want that poster who's a wrestling fan? Oh, I didn't get one. <laughs> I made sure I had a poster of Marvin Hagler. I, I sent away for one. I made sure I had a poster of Ricky Henderson. And I just never got around to the superstar Billy Graham poster. Maybe it was a kid. Or maybe when I was a kid, it was a wrestling thing. I'm like, okay, I don't want wrestling merchandise hanging up in my room. But, but you know what probably was part of it was, uh, you know, guys like me and you, we were buying the newsstand magazines and like wrestling world would have these uh, kind of color 
pullouts in the middle uh, of uh, wrestling stars. And I know Billy Graham was at least in a couple of those. And I probably even put one up on my wall of him wrestling somebody, Bruno or whoever. And it's like, I mean, as cool as the picture of him with the space age super, (laughs) the tiger was, it was much more exciting just to see him as he was because he was larger than life and he was, uh, you know, much better than anything Marvel Comics or DC Comics could put together. You may have made a really good point. Maybe just a photograph of superstar Billy Graham would have sold better than the artwork. But I love that line. You can't pin me in the ring, but you can pin me to your wall. (laughs) That was a good selling point. Yes. All right. So I'll tell you what, let's hear more audio once again for review purposes only of superstar Billy Graham discussing his upcoming match with High Chief Peter Maivia. Probably May, speaking of champions, let's bring on the reigning Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion. Unquestionably, look at that arm bordering on 22, perhaps 23 inches in circumference. Superstar Billy Graham with the most impressive physique in professional wrestling today. However, Mr. Graham, I hasten to add, it is not your physique, it is not your power that's on the line, but rather the championship. And this is professional wrestling, and your opponent, the paramount chief, Peter Maivia, the individual whom uh, you just humiliated uh, not too long ago. It was a a despicable thing uh, to see a champion do. I had to put the man in his place. I had to put Chief Peter Maiva in his place. You're nothing but a, but a boy. You're nothing but a Samoan peasant. That's all you are, nothing but a beggar. You don't belong in Madison Square Garden. I admit, I'm going to go on record right here and admit because it's the truth. The man is undefeated, has beaten everybody he has faced in Madison Square Garden. But nevertheless, you are still a peasant in the eyes of superstar Billy Graham. And I will give you the lesson, the wrestling lesson of your life. I'm going to give you the fist fight lesson of your life. By the way, I know you eat a lot of coconuts in Hawaii, but if you ever ate a knuckle sandwich, how was it? You're going to get more than that, but you're never going to take this belt back to Samoa. When the uh, superstar finishes with you, you'll be on the corner of 42nd and Broadway with a little tin cup playing that ukulele of yours going for coins because you're a fourth-rate wrestler, a fifth-rate musician, and an eighth-rate cannibal. Sorry for the 1977 racism, folks. It's just the way (laughs) pro wrestling was. (laughs) Vince McMahon, once again, trying so hard to be Howard Cosell. And and doing a good job of it, too. Uh, But I will say that kind of an interview was really the first time I'd ever really seen Billy Graham. I I was going to ask you, John, do you remember the very first time you had seen Billy Graham, uh, whether it was on TV or in a magazine? First time I saw superstar Billy Graham was on TV. It was when I was a very casual wrestling fan. Like I would be going through the channels. Oh, wrestling's on. I'll watch it. And soon after that, I became appointment TV. But I mean... He really stood out. I mean, here's this guy with this amazing body, this mane of blonde hair. He's, you know, he's tall and he, you know, he's got these, these tie dye trunks. I mean, he knew how to stand out from the crowd. When was the first time you saw him? The first time it, it was one of those, you know, MSG interviews with Vince just standing there with the microphone. It was the uh, match where Bruno was going to team with Tony Parisi against Ivan Koloff and superstar Billy Graham. So, uh, yeah, my brother and I are in, are in our basement. We're watching on the TV. It's about midnight. 
And uh, there's uh, Superstar, there's uh, Blassie, there's Koloff, there is the Grand Wizard. And each one of them, like, was so impressive and so captivating. Uh, I mean, they were, each one was, was just magnificent as far as an interview. Uh, but then Billy was on, and Billy was just, like, larger than life. I mean, just coming through the screen at you in Technicolor. And uh, he was the one that really stood out above the rest. And then when Bruno came on, who was doing the interview right after them, I said to myself, my God, like these guys were all like comic books come to life, but like Bruno, like he was real. And when you you put the two of them together, it's like, can the real guy face the, you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest comic book hero, like who's going to win this fight. And then no wonder they had such a great box office together because it was just like, you know, the, the <laughs> immovable object meets the impossible force, you know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Superstar Billy Graham was a guy, he really stood out. I I can't say one way or the other, like, you know, is he the guy who got me hooked? I can't say. I think it was the whole package that initially got me hooked. But, I mean, it was the the world of pro wrestling was definitely different than, you know, the other sports where the guy's like, well, you know, I want to give my my – competition you know all the credit they deserve and all this stuff like no everyone was muhammad ali in pro wrestling all right let's hear more audio superstar billy graham talking about his upcoming title defense against dusty Rhodes. this moment however let's bring on superstar billy graham and this fight last saturday night the bruises contusions and what have you you as we understand are really looking forward to facing the dream yes still shook up Still feeling groggy, still feeling a little wobbly at the knees from the Sicilian stretcher match, and still upset, still hot about the the hometown decision awarding Bob Packman the belt on the stretcher match. Nevertheless, the champion that I really am, the man, the champion that the, the Grand Wizard has made, Superstar Billy Graham, will continue to prevail in attaining a victory, clean cut, clear cut, superstar. Bear hug on the body, fat, sloppy body of the American dream, therefore making him submit in the ring. Not a pin, one, two, three, but a classic submission from the arms of superstar Billy Graham. That is correct. You're going to hear the bionic belly Dusty Rhodes scream out. No jive talk now. He's just going to say, I give up, superstar. You are my master. That's what's going to happen. Grand Wizard, along with Superstar Billy Graham. Steve, let's talk about Superstar Billy Graham, what it's been like, I mean, the past 10, 20, 25 years. I don't say this in an insensitive manner, at least I don't mean to. I mean, he had so many health scares over the years. I mean, you get on Facebook, Twitter, and, you know, it, 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 you got to the point where you were numb to it. You're just like, you know, oh, if thoughts and prayers go out to superstar Billy Graham, you know, this might be it. And the guy survived so many serious health scares over the years. And then a few days ago, I read that uh, the doctors wanted him taken off life support. There was nothing else they could do for him. And his wife said no. And at that moment, I was like, okay, this is it. That's ball game. And when the, when the doctors are telling you are saying, take him off life support. And I mean, two days later he was gone. Yeah. I, um, 
I, I can remember back, uh, this is like 1988, 1989, uh, when Billy, the last thing he did for WWF uh, after his wrestling was over with uh, he did uh, you know manage Don Morocco and then he for about a year he was doing color commentary and uh I, I was getting the observer then this is probably around 88 89 and and Dave uh, Beltzer mentioned that uh you know superstar and Vince parted ways and he's no longer with the company and and we didn't really hear anything about Billy for maybe six months to a year and I was living in Florida at the time and one night I'm watching TV and they're doing a promo for entertainment tonight. And they're talking about, you know, former wrestling champion, you know, crippled and somewhere. And so I ended up watching it and uh, it was that same night. And uh, John Tesh is there and he's saying, um, you know, former wrestling champion, superstar, Billy Graham is now an invalid. And I'm thinking to myself, how could this be? I mean, I know he was, you know, he had the Walker when he was, you know, doing the managing Morocco thing and, but they just talked about how you know t- terrible the effects of the steroids were, and and it was just so sad and so demoralizing. And that was like 30, 34 years ago. So you know, thankfully he was able to live and had some good times and and regain some some of his health during those years. Uh, but he he's had a really rough period because of that the health issues. Yeah, I mean, I say this in the most positive way possible like i was around superstar billy graham in 1992 at uh, one of john arezzi's conventions and i mean if someone had told me hey this guy's got 31 years left i would have been like yeah right i mean he was having it was more than just getting around on a walker he was in a lot of pain and um steve i don't know if i ever told you this i had superstar billy graham talked into going to the mets game with us that night had, really, I had him talked into it. He was doing it, and one of his uh, handlers like t- then talked him out of it. And I'm like, yeah. "No, I'll, I'll bring him up. We'll get him on an elevator. It'll be fine." You know, they got handicapped seating, and the guy was like, "Nope." I'm like, "Okay, this guy was way bigger than me, so I was going to argue too much." Was was that Scott Epstein, his uh, agent, who talked him out of it? it uh, no, he had like a bodyguard that weekend, oh, okay. or just not, not really a bodyguard, but you know, if, if he needed to be one, he would have been one. But he was just helping Superstar Billy Graham get around. I'll tell you what. Once again, for review purposes only, let's hear some more rare audio from Superstar Billy Graham, nineteen seventy seven, nineteen seventy eight. Chino's dear devoted friends, last opportunity to see him. Superstar represents the present and the future. You, San Martino, were its great champion, but that's in the past. You have been defeated by a better man. Here is the symbol of that victory, and there is no man on the face of this earth or anywhere else in the universe that can defeat the superstar. Correct champion of all champions. Unfortunately, Mr. Graham, we're out of time. We Again, thank you very much. Man! Superstar Billy Graham will indeed, on August the 1st, be opposing the worldwide, former Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion, Bruno Sammartino. That had to be a running gag they were doing because they did it multiple times. Superstar Billy Graham is about to speak. He's the world champion. And Vince McMahon's like, I'm sorry, we're out of time. And Wizard blows up on him. Since we're, since we're paying homage to Billy Graham and, and a lot of his great moments, uh, w- w- one thing uh, that I think a lot of we, we should just mention just because it needs to be mentioned, the Bruno superstar feud was so big in the New York market 
that I think NBC caught wind of this. And Tom Snyder had the, the Tomorrow Show, which was their big uh, late night show that ran at 1230 at night. It was a big nationwide show on NBC. Well, they decided to do a show on pro wrestling and they had on Bruno, Superstar, Vince McMahon. I think Bill Apter was on. And they actually talked about the three major federations and uh, Billy took his shirt off and posed. And I know Dave Meltzer mentioned many times uh, that, that that's really a holy grail amongst wrestling uh, uh, collectors to, to, to see that footage make the light of day. And, and so far, it hasn't made the light of day. No, I, I looked for it on YouTube after you had mentioned it and no mention of that on YouTube whatsoever. Um, one thing, you know, Dave talked about is, uh, talked about uh, in his Superstar Billy Graham tribute how they had a match in philadelphia on on february 18th 1978 and this is you know this is pretty common i've had this since 1987 it was a cage match in philadelphia bruno sammartino against superstar billy graham i did not know this that they be the day of the match the the Show had completely sold out. They were on the news, on the radio, telling you, you know, don't try to get to the spectrum. There are no tickets. Uh, scalpers aren't going to have tickets. Forget about it. And approximately 6,000 cars showed up, and there was a huge traffic jam of people trying to get tickets for that match for the Philadelphia Spectrum because it was a cage match. Everyone figured that, okay, there's no way Bruno's going to lose a cage match. That's right. He never had until that point. And in fact, a good buddy of mine, Lou, who lives in Scranton, PA, uh, he went to that match and uh, he remembers it fondly, uh, a, a, a huge match. And, and and another thing that's interesting about that match is, is that that's the match where, you know, apparently uh, Bruno had no idea that uh, Graham was going to be losing the title to Backlund in about five or six days. Two days. Two days. Okay. Well, Billy had that idea of, hey, why don't I throw you through the cage, Bruno, and you'll become the champion. And I guess they thought about it for a minute, and then Bruno came to his senses and realized, hey, I don't want, I don't want the, any part of this belt anyhow. I, that's why I asked out of it. But uh, Billy was kind of hoping he would go for it. So yeah, Billy was. I thought, in my opinion, he was a little too adamant. You know, to, up until the day he died, a little too adamant about um, him retaining the belt and. In the, in the Observer's tribute, you know, they were talking about how internally Vince McMahon or Vince McMahon Sr. acknowledged that moving the belt off superstar Billy Graham was a mistake. And I disagreed. And I, I only disagree because Bob Backlund did great business from jump as WWF champion. And superstar, you know, he had a, a reputation as being a little bit difficult to deal with sometimes. And now you're dealing with Bob Backlund again uh, instead of superstar Billy Graham. And also, if Graham had such great drawing power, okay, well, you know, pack up your suitcase and go to another promotion. Yeah, it's just um, it's just very unfortunate that that Billy has so much uh, venom or, or negativity toward Bob Backlund. Uh, I mean, Billy, you know, like with most of us, as we get older, we lose a lot of our memories and forget certain things. Uh, it was actually Billy Graham who introduced Bob Backlund to wrestling. The, the two of them had actually been in a gym in South Dakota uh, working out together. And uh, and uh, Bob Backlund looked like he just needed some guidance. And superstar Billy Graham said to him, hey, you know, there's, there's this thing called professional wrestling. Would you like to maybe consider it? And, of course, Backlund did, and the rest is history. Uh, I mean, Backlund was a great amateur wrestler, but he never really was considering getting into the pros. But uh, – 
you know, where, where people like, uh, you know, us, we, we talk about wrestling history and we know that, you know, Vince McMahon, the father of, of the Vince that we know, uh, you know, had his own agenda. He wanted to get a Jack Briscoe like champion. He wanted the all American boy. I think a lot of this was just, you know, news to Billy Graham. I think Billy Graham went to his grave, not knowing any of the background story. And I think that's why he always felt that, uh, Vince, Vince, the elder made such a huge mistake. I mean, it wasn't a mistake. It would have been a mistake if Bob Backlund had not drawn as a champion, but he did. And I, I know I've said this on Stick to Wrestling before. I mean, as a 13-year-old kid, I wondered, okay, you know, now that Bob Backlund is champion and the rematches have come and gone, why are they not turning Superstar Billy Graham good guy? I mean, I thought it made way too much sense, but my guess is really that Vince McMahon senior just wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. You know, I think any promoter has to trust the people that are working for them. They have to trust their talent. I mean, uh, Billy started in New York in late 75 and had that huge original run with Bruno in 76 by May of 76. When, uh, Bruno had hurt his neck about a month before Billy and Koloff and even John Tolos put together a, 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 a promotion that was going to work in LA against the LaBelles. And I'm sure that probably, you know, went to Vince, uh, Vince's father and he, Vince's father is thinking to myself, like, how can I trust this guy? I mean, he's going to run opposition to Mike LaBelle. I mean, would he, would he, he would probably do the same to, against me in New Jersey or somewhere. So, you know, it was, it, I think that's probably where he lost a lot of his faith right there. You know what, Steve, have you ever openly like kind of threw out a rhetorical question? And as the words are coming in, in out of your mouth, the information is going into your brain like, oh, here's why uh, <laughs> on February 20th, 1978. Bob Backlund was supposed to and did win the WWF championship from superstar Billy Graham and Graham tried to get out of the match. He said, oh, really? he said he had a knee injury and that he couldn't compete. And I don't know what Vince McMahon said to him, but, you know, it's like you might not get out of this building alive if you don't get to that ring. And if I'm Vince McMahon Sr., I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to make this guy my number two baby face? No, he's going to have his run and he's, he's leaving. That's it. Right. And, and what eventually did happen was that Billy really stuck around probably longer than he needed to because he ended up doing jobs for everybody. He did more jobs for Dusty. He did jobs for Putski, Strongbow. He did jobs to Bruno when Bruno returned. And because I guess he wanted to stay there and make good money, he teamed up with Luke Graham for to have the Golden Graham tag team, which was a, not even a championship team. But he did that for a while until uh, it was really time to get out of there. Yeah, by the time I felt like by the time superstar Billy Graham left, he had become a little bit stale. But I'll tell you what, for review purposes only, let's hear some more rare audio superstar Billy Graham from 1978. A steel cage match. Well, you know, that's my tactics. You know, I have strategy when I wrestle. I have strategy when I wrestle. All I want now, and I, I got what I want. No referee in a steel cage. You know what I feel like? I feel like a big, mangy, mongrel dog that's got an alley cat caught in the corner. Bob Backman's a little old skinny alley cat, and I'm a big, mangy, mean dog. Got him cornered in a steel cage. Can you imagine that? This little baby boy in a steel cage with no referee to say break, no referee to count, 
No referee to say, check, are you all right? Can you continue? No, no referee. Only me and you. Look into my eyes, Bobby Backlund. Look and get the fear. Get ready. I'm going to psych him out. So can you imagine the look on his face when he leaves the locker room and sees the cage 50 yards away, petrified, the men's blood pressure. The men's blood pressure is going to be 270 over 190. Blood pressure is going to be sky high. Going to have a case of the nerves shaking. I'm going to sack him out. I got it. Steel cage veteran, never been beaten. Never in my life been beaten. Probably 100 steel cages. And this is this boy's first match in a steel cage. It's a joke. It's a joke. Superstar versus Bob Backlund in Madison Square Garden. Now, that was a good interview. Superstar Billy Graham explaining why he's going to beat Bob Backlund because Bob has never been in the cage before. Yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, I think the Wrestler Magazine had a big uh, cover shot of their match at the, at the Garden. I think uh, Billy uh, uh, bloodied up Backlund, and, and of course, Billy lost the match. But uh, it was yet another one of those great covers of him on the magazine. It just sold a million copies. I mean, it, it can't be uh, it can't be talked about enough. How, how big a seller of magazines superstar Billy Graham was. And I, I can remember when I became a fan, especially a fan of his and Bruno, I, I and like yourself, John, I had to go out and buy the back issues. I know you bought them all. You probably bought a lot more than I did. But one of the ones I had to get was from that first matchup at the Garden. It, it shows like Bruno and Billy on the mat at the Garden. And, and, and the big headline there, it said, Superstar Cram before 22,000 fans destroys Bruno. Destroys it, Bruno. I it, it. It was the greatest, it was the greatest cover. I, I, to this day, I'd say that's the best cover of any wrestling magazine ever. And, 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 and in typical after a fashion, it was total bullshit because, <laughs> because Superstar Graham won on a count on it. It wasn't like he beat up Bruno or pinned Bruno or injured Bruno. He just won on a fluky count out. But hey, it was a great cover though. I mean, I, I remember Bob Backlund, there, there being a photo of uh, Pat Patterson with the WWF championship and they made mm-hmm. it sound like Patterson had, had beaten uh, Backlund for the belt. It's just, you know, even then I'm, I'm still in junior high and like rolling my eyes, of course, as I purchased the magazine. <laughs> well, they were, they were so good. I mean, they told you so, so much. Well, again, they didn't really tell you much of anything in the after mags, but the photos were great. That was great photos. I mean, they were. And, and if you join our stick to wrestling Facebook group, there is a, a cover of wrestling world from 1981. And they used a photo on the cover of Nick Bockwinkle versus Pedro, Pedro Morales from like 1976, 1977. The after mags didn't do that. Right, right. But I did like Wrestling World, and and um, you know I did some research for the show. I I really wanted to go back and look at the times I actually saw Billy Graham wrestle in person, and I did notice I did see him wrestle uh, Strongbow a couple of times in '77, and uh, I did find this result, which was really takes me back, January twenty eighth, nineteen seventy eight. I saw uh, Billy lost to Bob Backlund in my hometown, Binghamton, New York. But it just shows you what a frantic week he had because uh, Billy had, had beat Mil Mascaris uh, that prior Monday at the Garden on a countout. And it was the, the uh, it was on uh, the Wednesday before my match. 
uh, was the Super Bowl of Wrestling with Billy Graham against Harley Race for one hour in a monsoon. Wow. With Gorilla Monsoon is the referee in uh, in Jacksonville or the Orange Bowl. So I mean, I mean, Billy was in such incredible demand. I mean, even when he came into the WWF for the very first time in October of '75, that was the same time that Ric Flair's plane went down, and he agreed to, to be like an emergency fill-in in the Carolinas. So in between going to WWF, he was working a heavy schedule in the Carolinas as well at that time. So every promotion wanted Billy Graham at this time. No, superstar Billy Graham had the schedule that Bruno Sammartino refused. I mean, <laughs> you know, he was doing everywhere. He was doing the tank towns. He did North Attleboro, Massachusetts. Uh, Jack Witchie Sports Arena defended the title there. So, I mean, he was an incredible demand one thing i wanted to touch upon before we get to our next audio segment is people i've had people over the years like why did superstar billy graham shave his head that was crazy (laughs) his hair made that decision for him (laughs) it was like it was like steve austin and you know towards the end you could really see it i mean graham just didn't have a lot of say in the matter at the end yeah, that's very true. I, I can remember uh, after his WWF run finally ended that we just talked about, and it seemed like Billy just vanished into thin air. And then I remember getting an issue of Ring Wrestling, and it had all the champions on the cover. And, and when you went inside the magazine, it talked about this brand new championship, the CWA championship. Mm-hmm. And there he is with his, with his remaining gold blonde hair for the last time against Jerry Lawler in Memphis. And uh, that was probably the, the last time you saw Billy with the long, flowing blonde locks. I will never forget. It was spring 1980, and I go into a magazine store, and I see superstar Billy Graham on the cover from Houston against uh, Bruno Sammartino, and he has shaved his head completely, and he's growing a black beard. Same superstar Billy Graham, except for that appearance, but, like, I mean, I, I, I almost fainted. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, he would he would really never be taken as seriously again. Uh, it's really sad to say how superficial, I guess, the wrestling world is. But th- yeah, that was his his calling card was the long hair, the tan body, the huge arms, the huge you know mus- muscular body. But around the same time, you said this other guy who was a lot bigger with more blonde hair, a Hulk Hogan came in, and unfortunately, Billy started to be forgotten, and he started to fall off the covers of the magazines. Well, yeah, and that. And the fact that he was barely wrestling, you know, I don't know if I've mentioned this here before. I, I I got a copy of a deposition from superstar Billy Graham. This is in 1999. And I wish I had preserved this thing because God knows what it would be, what I, I could have sold it for on eBay, but I didn't take good care of it. But I mean, he had crazy story after crazy story about like, uh, how he would sit, you know, it was 1981 and he just didn't feel like wrestling. He didn't feel like doing anything. His wife was making $8 an hour working at a drugstore and that's how they made their living. He made $250,000 during the year in which he was champion and he said he blew right through all of the money and when he went back to Phoenix in 1978, all he had left was the $30,000 deposit uh, he had gotten back from, you know, his deposit on the WWF championship belt. I mean, that's sad. Yeah, he, he did some construction work when he uh, kind of walked away from wrestling in 78 or 79 in Arizona. Now, he didn't mention and that I, in the deposition, mm-hmm. by the way. 
<laughs> okay, all right. That was news and, to uh, me. Yeah, and but by by uh, by eighty two, he wanted to do a comeback, and uh, uh, actually, uh, Mike LaBelle had him. I guess for on behalf of Vince uh, Vince's father, he came out to L.A. and he did a tryout match uh, with S.D. Jones of all people, and I guess he looked decent enough in that match that they wanted him to come back. But when Billy Graham came back, he was you know the Kung Fu Billy Graham and looked nothing like the old Billy Graham, and it was just kind of a sad uh, period of his career. It reminded me of when I saw Terry Gordy in Smoky Mountain Wrestling in, like, 1995. I mean, Mm -hmm. Terry Gordy, he'd OD'd twice, and he was not the same, and he was just a sad, sad sight. Superstar Billy Graham was not that bad, but it was definitely a, a step back from the Superstar Billy Graham we had talked about, but let me tell you a little bit more about this deposition. He was suing sure. the um, the manufacturer, I think, of some kind of a steroid, and the lawyer saying to him, now, this is the vial of steroids that you were using, right, or one of them. And he's like, yep. And he's like, now, it says for equine use only, right? And he's like, <laughs> yep. And you see the big picture of the horse on this vial. Yep. And he used it anyway. Yep. Like, I don't think I'd stick that in my body, Steve. But that's how, yeah, well, that's how over-the-top superstar Billy Graham was to achieve that look. Well, that, but I mean, in his defense, I mean, he grew up in poverty. It wasn't like he went to a college and got formal training, formal education. I mean, he really uh, was a hustler, and uh, I don't think he had – a mentor or a person to help him along the way. Uh, I think Valerie was an angel that he met along the way to, to, you know, show him the light, but uh, he, he had a lot of bad, bad decisions and a lot of bad mistakes along the way. No, and I'm not knocking the guy. I'm, I'm uh, far from it. I'm saying, look, this is the, the extent he went to, to achieve his goal of of being that that you know giant in professional wrestling and and he achieved it but my god i mean I, you know at some point i guess this is a knock like okay i'm about to take a horse steroid like am i crossing a line here there's there's a story about superstar billy graham he told it himself he was like um you know we're sitting around the locker room and one guy is like, you know, these these steroid stories are ridiculous. What they do is they take they, they take a lab rat and they put a hundred times the recommended dose of steroids in the lab rat, and the lab rat has, you know, bad symptoms and they're like, Oh, see, these are bad for you. And you're not taking into account you're putting a hundred times the recommended dose. And Graham kind of laughs and nods and thinks to himself, a hundred times the recommended dosage. That's about what I'm using. <laughs> That's straight from him. Yeah, it's just um, it's just so sad to see that you know his joints and all of his you know ligaments, body parts just kind of crumbled, and he was just living in pain for thirty, forty years. Yeah, it it, it is sad because. I again I said it earlier I've met him and I found him to be a very nice very charming guy but with that said let's hear some more rare audio superstar Billy Graham this time with his brother crazy Luke who also possesses the worldwide wrestling federation heavyweight championship however grand wizard of wrestling it's the possession of this championship belt that's in jeopardy in Madison Square Garden on the 23rd of January against Mil Mascaris. Well, McMahon, it is in jeopardy. This we readily admit. But 
We also have told you repeatedly and will once again say, when the bell rings in Madison Square Garden, an unleashed tiger, a savage lion, a snarling leopard is going to come out of that corner and he's going to be on the offensive. He's going to be the aggressor all the way. And there will be one defeated Mexican jumping bean answering to the name of Mil Mascaris. Not only will he lose, but the superstar will take the mask off. Correct, champion? I will get the mask this time. I came within an inch of exposing his face to the general public. This time, I will take the mask off, take it off, and show the world, and especially the ladies, just how ugly this movie star really is. Take a look at his belt. Superstar Billy Graham, along with the Grand Wizard of Wrestling, Mr. Graham confident on this occasion with his more aggressive type tactics, he will be victorious. My apologies. I came up with the idea of doing this show format less than 24 hours before we recorded, and apparently I forgot that interview in my notes. Now, let's hear from superstar Billy Graham while he's out there partying with his half-brother, Luke. That is correct. McMahon, take a good look at everybody watching. Look at them. Here they are, the Golden Grahams. The greatest in the wrestling world today, the dynasty. They are to wrestling with the Roosevelt's and the Kennedys are to politics. The crown jewels of professional wrestling. And McMahon, before you even ask me, I'm going to answer your question. Right here before you, you see the next world tag team champions and the superstar has his plans. We will have every belt there is the heavyweight championship, the world championship. Correct, superstar? I will retain my belt. I will get my belt back. Let me make one thing emphatically clear right now on worldwide television. Superstar Billy Graham will regain his championship belt. I will. Physically strong enough, able enough, I will gain my belt back. One thing. One thing the superstar has been able to do, listen to me very carefully, ladies and gentlemen, one thing that I've been able to do since I was the world champion, since I made all of my money, hundreds of thousands of dollars I made while I was champion, one thing I accomplished, which is very important to me, was I gained the best, the best medical attention from my brother Luke that money could buy, and I had a lot of money. The best doctors in the world have treated my brother. The man now is back to normal. The man is cured. Billy, Billy, I eat at the table now yes, with you. Yes, yes, you can eat the man. The man dines with us. The man actually dines at the table with the family. The man is cured. No longer does the chant, crazy Luke, crazy Luke, does not bother the man. You can chant it as long as you like. Does not bother crazy Luke. Just say it if you like. The man is cured 100%. And with my guidance, I will develop this man's body, my brother, like my own body, and we will gain the World Tag Team Championship belt around his waist, around my waist, and I will gain my WWF belt back without a doubt. I will gain it back. Well, that's, uh, that's quite benevolent of superstar Billy Graham, uh, wanting to help out his own kind and what have you. However, what did he mean by 
Luke is allowed to dine with him now. What did he exactly... What Norm, did he, well, McMahon, I don't think we should go into the problems that Luke has had. I think that Superstar has told the story when he said that Luke is no longer to be referred to as Crazy Luke because he is not crazy. He has had troubles, but those troubles are a thing of the past. The only trouble from now on is the trouble that the Golden Grams are going to cause for any wrestler that steps into the ring against them as a tag team or in a single match. The Golden Grams are going to start a new era of wrestling, a golden era of wrestling. Here they are, the crown jewels of professional wrestling. Every belt, every championship shall fall to us because these are the victors and monopoly. the Monopoly, the word is a monopoly on wrestling. I want the cameraman to zoom in close on my brother Luke's face. Look at the man's eyes, perfectly clear. Look at the man's complexion, a perfect complexion. Look at the man's stability. Look at the man, a perfect specimen. It brought back to health by my money. My money has brought this man back to a normal condition. And we and we alone will conquer, conquer the wrestling world, gaining all of the belts. Did you hear what I said? I said all of the belts. You listen right. to my brother because I listen to my brother. <laughs> and they in turn, McMahon, listen to me, and I, the Grand Wizard, shall guide them to the championship as the superstar phrased it so aptly. A monopoly is now being born. The Graham Monopoly, the Golden Grams, reigning supreme on the wrestling world. Ladies and gentlemen, we have just heard plans. Okay. Made by the Grand Wizard of Wrestling. The Grand Wizard managing not only Superstar, who hopes to regain the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Championship, but managing as well Mr. Luke. And perhaps Bring him out right now and I'll regain it this very minute. That's right. We'll return in a moment. With all this Grand Wizard talking, John Fell's going to love this show. <laughs> well, you know, Billy did a lot of shoot interviews, and he never really gave uh, Ernie Roth the, his proper due. Uh, I, I think Ernie Roth as the Grand Wizard really enhanced Billy Graham's act, and he, uh, and in the shoot interviews, he always acted like uh, he couldn't believe that Vince McMahon Sr. gave him uh, a manager to begin with. So uh, I, I give Ernie Roth a lot of props for what he did for a superstar. Superstar Billy Graham would not have been the star he was without without the Grand Wizard of Wrestling in his corner. There's no question in my mind. Uh, Graham was the cake, but cake isn't that great without frosting, and Grand Wizard was the frosting. No question in my mind. Oh, yeah. And uh, when they were talking in that interview about all the great doctors that uh, Superstar had found for uh, Crazy Luke, I, I kept waiting to hear uh, George Saharian's name mentioned. It just never came up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I, I wonder whose idea it was to bring in Luke Graham in an attempt to kind of give Superstar Billy Graham another role. I mean, well, you know, I know Graham didn't like the cold and it was summer up here. So, you know, he could make money, but I, I really wonder, I mean, there were other places in wrestling where you could make a lot of money besides the WWF. I mean, everyone wanted to come to the WWF because the travel was relatively easy and the money was really good. But, you know, Graham had a big feud with Dusty Rhodes in Florida in 76, 77. I mean, he could have gone to Georgia. He could have gone to the Carolinas. And I just kind of don't understand why he kind of took that under not underneath role or maybe a mid-card role with Luke Graham as his partner. Yeah, it just it just seemed to work out for them together. Uh, but I, I would uh, 
uh, also want to add that uh, I think Dusty Rhodes deserves some credit because in, in Dusty Rhodes's uh, mind, uh, looking back at that that little run he had in New York, I think that was always a highlight to Dusty how he blew up New York uh, uh, almost overnight. Uh, the the Dusty against superstar in New York was uh, as big or bigger than it was in Florida, where it was huge in Florida as well. And uh, you know, Dusty, I think remembered that. And when he saw that Billy was on some hard times uh, around '84 or so, uh, Dusty brought him into Florida and. Yeah, uh, Superstar became part of the Kevin Sullivan's clique there. And when Dusty uh, really you know, reinvented himself as the booker of, uh, of uh, Jim Crockett promotions, he even brought Billy in there, too, as a, as a mid-card guy. And you know, Billy's best wrestling was long behind him, but he got him some good employment, some good uh, payouts. And, uh, and then Vince did bring him back for that one final run in 86, 87. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of forgotten. We all remember that when Billy Graham left the WWF in 19, late 1978, he kind of vanished until he returned to the WWF summer of 1982. I mean, he made an occasional stop in Houston. He toured Japan in early 82, but I don't think he wrestled at all the entire calendar year of 1981. If he did, he only wrestled two or three times. But we kind of forget that after his run with Backland ended in, I want to say, spring of 1983, he vanished again until they brought him back to Florida in 84. Yeah, he uh, he went briefly to the AWA, and and I know at at one point, uh, probably late to '84, he was featured a little bit on that Pro Wrestling USA debacle. Uh, I think uh, whoever was putting that together thought that the New York fans and the New York market wanted to see a lot more of Billy Graham and Bob Backlund, but they didn't realize what year it was. So yeah, <laughs> they kind of hosed that up, but uh, but yeah, he he ended up being a regular for JCP until. Uh, Vince wanted to give him one more run in uh, 86, 87. And, you know, not to pour cold water over this thing, but I mean, the whole, his whole JCP run, you know, I did and didn't understand how wrestling ran. I was like, you know, this is superstar Billy Graham. Are you, do you guys know who he is? And you've got him, you know, as part of Paul Jones' army with the Barbarian and whoever else, you know, no, nothing against the Barbarian, but he's not a main eventer. Yeah, I mean Billy. Uh, Billy had the name still, but because his body had really failed him and the different injuries and different steroid-related problems, I mean, he really couldn't take the big bumps anymore. He couldn't really move that well anymore. So he was kind of lucky to have the role he did in JCP. And uh, Vince brought him back for the one final run where he had the big uh, series with Butch Reed in '87, and and you know they tried everything they could do, but he was just just on his last legs i mean he had had the uh, the hip replacements and it was just just so immobile at that point uh, I, I i actually did go to a match in binghamton in 87 where he wrestled ron bass i think uh, it was supposed to be butch reed but maybe he no showed and it was you know you're really disappointing match but you know i wasn't expecting anything from billy i think uh it was just nice to see him in person again and that was about it i went to go see superstar billy graham in his last main event at the boston garden against butch reed and it was a surprisingly good match graham really yeah graham was having a hard time getting around and I, Butch Reed must have just said, screw it. It's Saturday night. It's Boston. There's 15,000 people here. I am going to just empty out my gas tank. It was, I'm not saying it was a four star go out and seek it classic, but it was far <laughs> from a disaster. It was a good match. 
you know, whatever you want to say about Billy, I mean, his name still meant something in New York, apparently in Boston, too. I mean, he, he did sell out the garden against Butch Reed, uh, the MSG against Butch Reed. And uh, they had one match prior to that that did really well, too. Uh, so just the name of superstar Billy Graham in the New York market meant so much, and that can't be minimized. And you have to remember, too, it was a different generation of fans. I mean, a lot of the fans who came out uh, when Bruno was champ, when Graham was champ, when Backlund was champ, abandoned this thing when Hogan came around, and they were replaced by a new generation of fans, yet... You know, somehow they sold out uh, Madison Square Garden. I don't know if Boston was a sellout or not, but it was a packed house. So, you know, again, his name had some value. And it's really too bad that Graham didn't figure out until really it was too late that what we wanted to see, even though, you know, he lost his hair, you can do the old superstar Billy Graham gimmick. But with that, let's hear some more audio for review purposes only. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring on the former Worldwide Rusting Federation champion. No, we are not alluding to Bruno Sammartino, but rather to this gentleman standing to my right. The man that has caused perhaps more sleepless nights for Bruno Sammartino than any other athlete in professional wrestling, superstar Billy Graham to my right, and superstar Bruno will never forget that fateful day in Baltimore, Maryland. This is an opportunity for Bruno to uh, avenge the wrong done to him in Baltimore as he sees it. But can the man handle it? Can the man jump out of the frying pan and end up in the fire? You know, there was a man one time who tried to come back from retirement. This is what this is. Let me take my glasses off. The man is coming out of retirement to see if he is still the man he used to be. Remember Broadway Joe Namath with the New York Jets? Retired and then went to the Los Angeles Rams thinking he could make it again, and the Rams ended up cutting the man from the football team. Joe Namath, one more time, tried to make it. Did he have it? No, it didn't. He ended up on the bench. San Martino, save yourself the embarrassment. Save yourself the humiliation. Don't come back into the ring with Super, super Star Billy Graham. You'll end up just like Joe Namath. Great, great interview for the New York market comparing Bruno Sammartino to Joe Namath. Yeah, they had a, a big match at the Garden. It was uh, a co-main event. It was Bob Backlund defending against Ernie Ladd. And, and then the special double co-main event, it was Bruno against superstar Billy Graham. And and Bruno had been away for a while. And uh, it, it was just a way to give him a big win over Billy since they never really had him beat Billy uh, in that run when uh, Billy had won the championship. And, and it's just interesting to look back at uh, the relationship between Bruno and Billy uh, since they were such uh, great rivals in the ring. You know, it's funny. At one point, I think during uh, their first big uh, series of matches together, Billy got a staph infection in his leg and was taken to a hospital in the Philly area, Philadelphia area. And none other, none other than Bruno broke kayfabe and actually visited him in the hospital, which I found to be quite interesting. I had not heard that story before. I knew about the staph infection, but Bruno visiting him in the hospital, that's a bit of a surprise. But, um, you know, for those unaware, Joe Namath was a big uh, quarterback for the New York Jets uh, football. And, you know, just a huge star in the New York market. And when, you know, his career ended, it ended quickly. And I'm sure that interview pushed a lot of buttons with, with uh, fans in New York. And with that, let's hear some more audio for educational and review purposes we may yes 
Here comes superstar Billy Graham, Mr. Graham, who said before, a veteran of steel cage matches. However, against Bob Backlund, can you imagine, you had a rough time with Backlund in your previous encounters. Can you imagine what Bob Backlund will be just totally, completely unleashed? But has he ever been unleashed? Remember, this is a controlled athlete, Bob Backlund. He's always been under control, collegiate, right, college wrestling, high school wrestling, grammar school wrestling, his whole life has been controlled. Rules and regulations, Vince McMahon. Remember, the, this is crucial. This is the way I'm going to win. The man has always been under control. Always had rules, but always broke when the referee said break. Always did what the referee said do, but now there's no referee. The referee's one that's bloated for me two times in a row now. The referee's the very reason I don't have my belt right now. No referee. Can the man handle a situation where it's going to be out of control? Can the man handle? He can't look to a referee and say, Superstar broke the rules. There is no referee. The only referee is going to be the people. The people will see the first man over the top, onto the floor. The people will see the first man through the gate, onto the floor. No referee, Bobby Backlund. No control, no rules, no regulation. Just mayhem. Remember that. At nighttime, it's going to haunt you. Mayhem, mayhem, mayhem inside the steel cage. I'll give my belt back. I'll Superstar. With the mayhem, and it will be mayhem when Graham steps into the ring and faces Bob Backlund in a special 15-foot-high steel cage match. Another great interview from superstar Billy Graham, in my opinion. Here's why. This is going to be the third match, consecutive match, they've had at Madison Square Garden. Three times in a row, the main event has been Bob Backlund against superstar Billy Graham. The first match... Graham loses the championship when the referee fails to see that his foot is on the ropes and there should have been a break called. The second match, superstar Billy Graham feels he had Bob Backlund defeated, yet the referee stopped the match because Bob Backlund was bleeding too badly to continue. Now it's the third match. And you want to come out and see these guys fight for the third time because this time there's not going to be a referee. And that's the difference. That's why you need to show up. Yeah, that was a huge selling point. You, you knew in a cage match, anything could happen. And even if you didn't believe that Graham could beat Backlund, you knew that the cage match could be the equalizer, that he, he could go through the door, he could fall out the door, he can go over the top, anything was possible. And, you know, I, I don't think I don't think they really had a good chemistry with each other in the ring. Uh, Backlund and Graham just seemed like they didn't really match up too well against each other. I mean, as we could tell, as years went on, uh, Backlund had some great opponents like uh, Pat Patterson, Greg Valentine, different opponents that he really had a, gelled with really well. But um, Billy Graham, I think it was a, it is a really peak against guys like Bruno and Putski, these kind of old school guys who maybe had a much more simple skill set of working but they were just so over just the, the most basic of moves the crowd would go crazy as we saw i think brad breisman made a great comment on the uh, our facebook page about the putski graham match i mean they could just run into each other at full speed and uh, <laughs> graham would fall backwards and get stuck in the ropes and the fans ate it up like it was uh, 
candy. It was just unbelievable. Literally everyone was standing. Literally everyone. When when they did that collision and Graham fell back and his foot got caught in the ropes, literally everyone on camera, on the hard cam, was on their feet. And it just goes to show, you know, wrestling really is more than just, you know, uh, work rate. I mean, the fans ate that match up. With that, let's hear another interview from, from superstar Billy Graham for review purposes on the individual who hopes indeed he will be the first man out of the steel cage to my right superstar Graham. The man must be petrified, must be scared to death, never been in a steel cage. Bob Backlund, this is not like a baby, a baby carriage or a baby's cridge, a baby's cridge with a little things around it. At the same it. time, bear in mind, you will not be able to run. No one will be able to run. It's all in the steel cage. Doesn't matter. You heard the man with his own voice confess that I'm a veteran of steel cages. Bob Backlund, do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, of America and the world, this man, this boy, this baby has never been, never wrestled, I'm going to slow down here, I'm getting excited, has never wrestled in a steel cage in his life. This is in his entire life. And the, the man, the belt is on the line in a steel cage. Can you imagine that? You know what I'm going to do to him? I'm going to run his head through that steel cage. I'm going to run his body, not over or under, but through the steel cage. Uh, makes me want to buy a ticket. And once again, he's telling you the difference between the, the previous two matches and the, and the upcoming match. And in the WWF, look, I have some criticism for their cage matches during the Bruno uh, Backlund Graham eras. But the referee stood outside of the ring. They were only there to open the door if you, a wrestler requested that. Those two guys were in the ring by themselves. Anything goes. I would I would say as far as uh, that era that we kind of grew up in, and again maybe maybe it's because of that old rule that people always say, well, it's the first wrestling you saw, and that's why you like it the best. Oh yeah, maybe there's a lot of that involved oh, sure. in it too. Yeah, he definitely will put put that in there, but it just seemed that wrestling was never so pure as at this very moment that we're talking about. I mean, um, yeah, Bruno had faced a lot of these great, great challengers. I mean, he had faced Arion and Koloff and Stan Hansen and Ken Patera, but Billy Graham was the zenith of all of, all of those. I mean, Billy Graham was was really the ultimate. Uh, each one of those challengers really brought something great and unique to the table. But Billy Graham, even though he was limited in his wrestling, he was just viewed as the Mount Everest of all these guys. I mean, he was the peak of you know the ultimate bad guy, or you know, or the guy that you love to hate. However, you want to describe him. But I, I just can't think of a, another better a peak period in wrestling than seeing uh, peak Bruno against peak Billy Graham. No, and you're right. I mean, it, it, that goes for a lot of things. I mean, the first time you lay eyes on it and you decide you like it, like that's the stuff that you like and you don't want it to change. And, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, the only thing in life that doesn't change is that everything changes. <laughs> it, it's so true. And, you know, I mean, I, I have a lot more to say about Superstar Billy Graham. I'll tell you what. Let's hear one more. And actually, we have two more interviews, but one more where he discusses his upcoming match with Dusty Rhodes. Let's bring on Superstar Billy Graham. And Superstar's fervent hope that what you're looking at will once again pull him through, as it has so many, many, many times, the enormous power possessed and those python-like arms. Pull me through. That's a good... What do they call those little uh, play on words? 
pull me through since we will be attached to ropes and we will be pulling one against another. A tug of war, you might say. Who is the strongest at tug of war, pulling, pushing, and shoving? The American dream. Now, let me interrupt you just for a moment. Not only the pulling power and strength, but it's how you handle that rope. The rope could perhaps be wrapped around your throat, around a limb of a nature. It could break. This is one of the most devastating, one of the most, well, it, it is a grueling type match. Are you trying to psych me out? Are you, Mr. Man Jr., trying to psych out the superstar? Superstar at the spectrum. Are you trying to psych me out? That's great. <laughs> yeah, they, they had a really good chemistry with each other, uh, uh, Superstar and Vince. They, you could tell they kind of really liked each other. And <laughs> and I, I think it should be mentioned, too, that uh, uh, of all the WWF champions, uh, Billy went to St. Louis and went to other cities the most during his nine-month reign with the Tyler, 10-month reign, however long it was. I mean, he wrestled so many different people. Uh, he wrestled uh, Jimmy Valiant in St. Louis. Uh, he wrestled uh, pa uh, Pedro Morales. He wrestled Don Morocco in Florida during that time. Uh, it was very interesting. But I know you wanted to say some more about Billy, so let me pass it back to you, John. Well, no, I mean, what you brought up was a good point. And, I mean, I know, like, the old-timers – would tell you, you know, there are two towns you don't miss. You don't miss New York and you don't miss St. Louis. And mm -hmm. Superstar Billy Graham, from what I understood, could be a little bit loose with his bookings. You know, the, the wrestling schedule for these guys was grueling. And I got the impression that one day he just, like, didn't feel like going to St. Louis. Like, there's an old story about Dory Funk Sr., when Dory Funk Jr. was champion and there was a, a, a blizzard or something coming along and Dory's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make St. Louis. And Dory Sr. was like, you know, you start a day or two days early or whatever you need to do to make St. Louis. Otherwise, you know, Sam Muchnick, you're he will stop booking you. And when Graham just skipped the St. Louis date, that was the that was it. Muchnick did not book him again. Yeah, I and I know another thing that really turned off Mushnick was uh, he, Billy was wrestling somebody in St. Louis. I'm not sure who it was, but you know, Mushnick was really big on keeping wrestling as a as a sports contest, and he's wrestling somebody, and Billy's really winning the match. He's got the edge on his opponent, and whoever it was. Well, anyhow, he, Billy just like out of the blue, just like grabs into his trunks, pulls out a rope, and starts choking the guy with the rope. Oh no! And, you know, yeah, and, and, and in Billy's eyes, he was saying, hey, I'm a heel. This is what I do. You know, I'm getting myself over. I'm a heel. I'm, I'm letting the fans know. But, yeah, that did not fly in St. Louis. And uh, and the, any opinion that Sam Mushnick had of Billy as a great guy to, to book as a special attraction went out the window that day. Yeah, it, it's sad, too, because, you know, I mean, obviously it was a big money town. But, you know, Sam did not put up with any foolishness. I mean, Billy Robinson, who would have been perfect in a way for, for St. Louis, tried to uh, balloon up his expenses as far as like coming in and, and Mushnick saw it. And he was like, you know, I'm not booking this guy ever again. And he didn't. I mean, Sam Mushnick did not play around. But anyway, we have one more uh, audio clip. This takes place in Madison Square Garden, August 1977, right before Superstar Billy Graham's match with Ivan Putski. Grand Wizard of Ruffling. Let's bring on Superstar Billy Graham as well and discuss what will unquestionably prove to be a battle of the two powerful titans in Baltimore. McMahon, may I remind you, 
Baltimore belongs to the superstar. This is the superstar's town. This is the town where he showed his finest hour. Do you honestly think the midget mouth that roared is going to be able to get by the muscles, the brains, and the complete, absolute power of the superstar? No way possible. A dream, Putski, that the superstar will make a nightmare for you. Correct, champion? You know what this is? This is a match. A match that was booked for superstar Billy Graham for a stepping stone. Because I was told by your father that if I defeated Ivan Putski, I will have the next title shot with Bobby Backlund in Baltimore. So therefore, that's right, quoting your dad, I will have the next title shot in Baltimore. The promoter, Phil Zacco, obviously is the man who makes such decisions. And should you perhaps defeat Ivan Putski, perhaps promoter Phil Zacco would post you up there in the number one spot. That's exactly right. Name somebody else, and don't kick me if not that. Name somebody else who is more able to defeat. There is no one. There is no one. He knows it. Superstar Billy Graham, along with his manager, the Grand Wizard of Oh, hopefully that's part of the show's charm. Last, we are recording this in the afternoon. Last night, I came up with the idea that if I had enough audio of Superstar Billy Graham from 77 to 78, we would do a Superstar Billy Graham tribute show using a lot of audio. And I think I was more worried about, okay, do I have enough audio than I was taking notes? So, hey, little bonus footage for you right there where he talks about Mil Mascaras and Baltimore being his his magic town. Now let's really hear the Madison Square Garden show uh, right before his match with Ivan Putski. To my left, ladies and gentlemen, the reigning Worldwide Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion superstar Billy Graham before another capacity crowd here in Madison Square Garden. There are those here who certainly are in your favor, those who are not, Mr. Graham. Some are booing, some are cheering, but nevertheless, there's pandemonium tonight. There's excitement. Look at the people's faces. Look at the people's expressions. Can you feel it? Look at you. You're excited because I am the champion, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion. How can I retain this belt? Why am I still the champion after months and months and months? Because I'm in shape. I'm powerful. I'm strong. I wake up every morning. Every morning. Work out for five hours. Run 19 miles a day. Swim across the Atlantic Ocean. Unbelievable condition. I am the man of the hour. The man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. Mr. Excitement. Look at the pandemonium. Look at the thousands of people. Thousands of people. Will you defend your championship in other areas here in the United States? Anywhere in the world. Japan, Australia, United States, California. Mexico, I don't care, Central America, any state, any city, anywhere, that man is from Japan, all even dependent in Japan, anywhere you want. Thank you very much for your time, Superstar Billy Graham. 23 minutes of audio I was able to scrape up for this show, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Steve, I want to say this, that, um, I mean, we knew for a while that, you know, it was only a matter of time for Superstar Billy Graham 
and you know there have been so many false alarms and i had mentioned that you know when i read that you know the doctors wanted to take him off life support i was like this is it but i remember uh Wednesday night, just almost kind of checking my Twitter to see, you know, okay, have we reached the finish line? And then I want to say like nine o'clock, it was, it was all over my Twitter, you know, rest in peace, superstar Billy Graham. And you think you're ready for it. I was expecting it. And then when I, I finally read it, it was like a stomach punch. It was just like, you know, he's gone. Yeah, I, I've had a, a couple of reactions over the years with wrestling deaths like that. Uh, I remember working a, a job and uh, came across the uh, computer while I'm working, and we were—I was in this big, big place uh, the size of a football field working, and uh, the, the news came in that the Macho Man Randy Savage had passed away, and I just felt—I felt sick. I felt like I was going to puke, and uh, people were, you know, around us were a lot of people felt really affected by that. I mean, I guess you know a lot of younger people remembered him, and uh, when Bruno died, I got a call from one of my best friends, or person texted me, and I felt really sick. But uh, yeah, the other day, hearing that Billy had passed, it really uh, reminded us that we are getting older. And it was just such a reminder that uh, a lot of our great memories of our youth are going away. But, you know, thanks to this show and thanks to, you know, Lou and the the audio tape that you've kept and maintained, uh, we have our memories and they will stick with us for a long, long time, hopefully. You know, it's funny you say that. First of all, I mean, Randy Savage came out of nowhere. Um, Graham didn't. And it's it still, you know, when it was made official, I mean, it, I, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to feel the way I was feeling. I was expecting to read that he had passed. And then when I, I did, it was an absolute stomach punch. But it's funny. I used to work at a place like that. When I worked at Fidelity, the place was the size of a football field. And I'm on break. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then Nicole Smith died. And it was like it went from like cube to cube, like it was crazy. I'm like hearing people 50 feet away. Wow, and Nicole Smith died. Yeah, what a shock. Um, but yeah, I mean, superstar Billy Graham. It, you know, you and I are in the same place. We're about the same age. We started watching wrestling at the same time. And he was such a big deal in our childhood. And, you know, I, I mean, I have thanked him, but, you know, I mean, I'm just very grateful for all, all of the great memories. Yeah, I I, 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 uh, I hope anyone listening to this show that was a fan of his enjoyed uh, the hour plus of uh, the memories and uh, us talking about him. And uh, I'm sure... Uh, I just hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really enjoyed it. And I, I hope it stood out from, you know, I know there, you know, look, I mean, we record a few days before the podcast is released. We come out on Friday. I actually considered, I actually asked Lou, you know, would you consider uh, recording on Thursday, letting us record on Thursday night, a tribute to superstar Billy Graham. And then I just decided, you know what, that's like, that's too much to ask. And it's, you know, we'd be putting it together haphazardly, but, um, you know, I want to thank everyone for listening. And before you go, there's something, um, that I need to address. The, we talked last week about doing a show for WWF spring 1983. We're way overdue doing that. Right. And, you know, we're at the point where I know you, have you ever, Steve, have you ever been like a little bit behind in a loan payment, like a car payment or something? And you get a nice note from the bank, you know, uh, have you forgotten us? 
maybe we cross <laughs> in the mail. Like I think the stick to wrestling audience is way beyond that point now. And, well, they're they're a forgiving group, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guess what? We're probably not going to do it next week or the next week after that. Um, <laughs> I use the word probably. I, I'm lying. We're not going to do it the next two weeks. We're probably going to do it three weeks from today. Uh, by the time the second part comes out, it will already be summer, but at least you'll get it. So just so you know where we are on that. But I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank uh, Lou Kippelman, especially this week, our producer, for all the great work he does. But not only that, I mean, I change plans on this guy uh, too many times. I mailed a DVD to him uh, for the audio for spring, WWS Spring 1983. I had a hard time. I had more than a hard time handbrake which is what I used to convert, just wouldn't do it. And I'm bugging Lou yesterday, you know, did you get the DVD yet? And he's like, well, I haven't checked my mail. And then this is how cursed this WWS Spring 1983 show is. You ready? I asked Lou, did you get the disc? He says, not yet. The mail didn't arrive yesterday as there was an armed standoff between a burglar and police a block down from me. So all traffic was blocked off for most of the day. This is how cursed this WWF Spring 1983 show has been, and we would have done it today, except I came up with the idea last minute to do the Superstar Billy Graham tribute uh, with the rare audio that I have in my stash. So, that said, I want to thank Brian Last for giving me this forum. I want to thank all of you for listening, and we'll be back next week. This has been a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. This concludes our podcast day. Thank you.